Morning. This guy followed me up here. I guess we'll find out who he is and what he's about. Let's, who are you? Morning, Doc. I'm, uh, I'm Brian Pelletier. I was uh, born and raised in southern coastal Maine and lived here in Frankfurt for the last 25 years or so. Um, I've been in recovery for about eight and a half years, attending a Celebrate Recovery at Calvary Christian Church in Winchester. Uh, I've also been a, uh, I, I've served actually in various positions of leadership in that Celebrate Recovery. Uh, I've been a state representative for Celebrate Recovery for a year and a half, and I will be the ministry leader for the Cap City Celebrate Recovery. Why is this a passion for you, Brian, and what's, what's motivating you here? You know, Doc, when uh, it, it, was, it was almost nine years ago in a church service, I was convicted of my sin of pornography, and I started attending Celebrate Recovery. And, and in that, in that, through that program and through God's grace and work, I have been clean of pornography for the last eight and a half years. But that wasn't the turning point for me. When I started to really participate in the program, I had something happen in my life. A miracle happened in my life. I came to understand God's grace in a way I had never, ever imagined. And, and through that, through that miracle, I know that this is something I am called to do and want to serve God in this way. I get to have a front row seat to see miracle happens in the lives of people through Celebrate Recovery. I've heard of CR for a long time, and I've heard that it's a powerfully good program. Can you tell us just a little bit about how it works? Yes. Um, it, it's been around, actually this year they're celebrating 30 years that Celebrate Recovery has been around. And the way it's going to work, and it works really everywhere, is we have meetings every single week. We're going to hold them here Tuesdays uh, starting June 15th. And in that Tuesday night meeting, we'll start with a meal at 5.30. Between 6.30 and 7.30, we'll have a large group, which will consist of everyone coming together. We'll do some worship. There'll be a lesson or a personal testimony and some, a few other things. Then we break off afterwards from 7.30 to 8.30 into gender-specific groups we call open share groups. And in there, we will reflect on the lesson or the testimony, but also just share what's going on in our lives. Just be open and transparent and really accountable to each other. Now, that will go on every single Tuesday, but we also have things we call step studies that will start periodically. They last six to nine months or so, and they're different than the large group because each person has a participant guide with questions in it that they answer and they share with their groups. That's really where the healing takes place. Well, it's basically kind of a 12-step recovery program, and uh, these steps are pretty powerful. Can you tell us just about the first step? Sure, sure. I think it'll be up. There it is. Uh, step one is we admit we're powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors that our lives have become unmanageable. And the principle that goes along with that is I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, Romans 7.18. You know, that first step is admitting you have a problem. And you know, you think about, well, recovery, that's for people whose lives have come crashing down. They're just a shambles. Well, in my life, I kept going through these cycles where I'd view, but I would stop. I was really trying to stop this, this struggle that I had. Um, and I had to admit it was a real problem in my life. And when I finally did, I could get some healing from it. You've got to admit that you've got an issue and that you're not going to defeat it on your own. What's, what's the second step, Brian? 
Step two is that we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And the principle is, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose, Philippians 2.13. You know, I worked really hard on my struggles. And I would stop for a period of time, but then something would happen and I'd go right back to it, just as, as a dog returns to his vomit, as it says in the Bible. And oftentimes I would find myself right back to where I was, or in a lot of cases with addictions and other problems, people are in a worse place than they were before. Um, you know, we have to come to a, a, a realization, just as I did. My way wasn't working. So I had to believe that a power greater than myself, Jesus Christ, could help me through these struggles. So you have to admit you have an issue and that you're not going to break it on your own. You come to acknowledge that there is a God who is powerful enough to help you with that addiction. Okay? That's not enough in itself, is it? Step three. Step three is we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, Romans 12, 1. I had to come to the realization, Doc, that I was either going to live life my way, with my problems and my struggles, or God's way. And it took a long time for me to finally admit that what I was doing wasn't working and that I had to turn my life over to the will of God to get real healing. And you know what? God can do this. He's done it in the lives of so many people I've viewed, and his yoke is so much lighter than the one I put myself under. Brian, tell us a little bit about who can benefit from this kind of a program. You know, Doc, people in recovery, myself included, think, well, everybody can, can benefit from this, and I, and I still believe that is true. And it doesn't have to be something that, uh, th that affects you every single day, but things like anger, pride, control, depression, workaholism, overeating, enabling. Maybe it was abuse that happened long, long ago, and, and we've believed in the lie that, well, time will heal those wounds. And, and that, that is a lie. It, it doesn't. So I believe anything that gets between you and your relationship with Jesus Christ is something that you can benefit from by attending Celebrate Recovery. Ryan, thank you so much. Now, please get off stage. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for the send up. Ryan's a really, really good guy. If you need to connect with him to ask a little more information, um, you can contact Brian directly or contact us and we'll put you in connection with him. He's our Celebrate Recovery ministry leader. And what CR is about pretty much sums up what the Jesus story that we're going to look at this morning is all about. Same big ideas. Jesus is going to come up to this sick guy and he's going to say, do you want to get well? Which sounds like a pretty stupid question. <clears throat> it's really not. Do you want to get well? See, some guys won't even admit they're sick. And I'm not talking about cancer or COVID. I'm talking about various kinds of sin. And some of you guys are going to admit that you're sick, but you're not going to admit that it's serious. Serious enough that you're not going to defeat it on your own. Some of you guys do admit that you're sick, it's serious, but you do think that you're smart enough, good enough, strong enough that you're going to deal with it yourself. And some of you guys 
know that there is a God and they know that he is smart enough and strong enough to heal you. But you don't want his healing, you want his forgiveness. A lot of us want forgiveness from God, we don't want healing from God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Listen, guys, grace is not just about forgiveness. Grace is also about healing. Did you hear that? God is not satisfied with just forgiving us. He wants to heal us. But our minds get so muddled, they get so screwed up that we actually convince ourselves that if God heals us, if God takes away our sin, that our life is going to be worse. Because we like our sin. Forgiveness is good, but let's not get fanatical about this holiness stuff, right? So we settle. A lot of Jesus followers settle for forgiveness and never actually embrace healing. Now, Morgan read you the story. <clears throat> Jesus goes up to this guy who's been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? Sounds like a pretty stupid question on the surface. Paraplegic for pretty much his whole life. Can't walk. Back in that world, there were no wheelchairs, public accommodations for those with disabilities, Social Security disability benefits. He's laying next to a pool where they believe people might actually get healed. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? Well, duh. But Jesus doesn't ask stupid questions. Do you want to be well? Really? Do you know that doctors actually research that kind of stuff medically? Okay, I'm talking about physical health. I read one study that says that most of our health problems are caused by factors that are within our own control. They identified five behavioral problems that cause about 80% of our health issues. We eat too much, drink too much, smoke too much, don't exercise enough, and we don't handle our stress well. You identify with any of those? Do you want to be well badly enough that you're willing to eat less, drink less, smoke less, exercise more, and handle your stress in a different way? Probably not. Do you want to be well? Well enough to actually change? But I want to focus just on our physical ailments. We want to reshape the question. What else is broken in your life? What else is sick in your life that needs to be healed, needs to be fixed? Do you want to be well? Maybe it's your checkbook. It's just not enough money, right? But maybe it's really not about the amount of money. Maybe it's about your heart. Maybe it's about your desires. Maybe you have a problem with wanting too much, spending too much, so your debt keeps growing and creates all this stress. You want it fixed? Of course you do. But you still carry that plastic in your pocket and use it way too easily. You want to be free from debt, but not as much as you want the new shoes or the new golf clubs or the Apple Watch, right? Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that is sick. A relationship with your husband or your wife. A relationship with your parents or your kids, your in-laws, your neighbors, someone in the office or at school. And you're carrying around all of this resentment and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Do you want to be well? 
not forgiven, you want to be well. Maybe it's an addiction that has its claws deep inside of you. Maybe you're smoking something you shouldn't be smoking or popping pills you shouldn't be popping or drinking way more than you should be drinking. Maybe, maybe it's food for you, shopping. Even something like a fitness class. Did you know that anything can become an obsession that starts getting out of control in our life? Maybe it's gambling, porn. Do you want to get well? Do you really? Now, don't lie to yourself and don't try to lie to God. You might fool yourself. You're not going to fool God. So let's dig down into this story where Jesus asked the question. And I want, to, I want you to try to apply this story to whatever is in your life that needs healing, whatever's broken, whatever's sick. You ready? Here it goes. John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of their Jewish holy days, which Jews tried to do back then. And inside the city of Jerusalem was this sheep gate, and it had these five covered porches, porticos, around it. Bottom line, I'm not sure that one would pass the health inspectors today. You've got this pool, not really a swimming pool, although people are going to be jumping in. It's probably more of a water supply, and you plant this water supply right next to a sheep gate, right? Just wrong. And even if you can figure out how to keep the sheep out of the pool, it's going to smell, and you're probably going to find those little raisins in the water, right? And it's not just a water supply. It's a gathering place for sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They'd all hang out at the porches around the pool waiting because there was this superstition, this belief that every once in a while an angel would come and stir the waters of the pool, and whoever got in after the waters bubbled up, they were the one who was healed. Verse 5 says, one guy is there who's been an invalid for 38 years. We find out later on it's his legs. Apparently he's been a paraplegic or something like that for 38 years. Now back then the average lifespan was only about 40. So either he's been a paraplegic his whole life or nearly his whole life problems of a paraplegic today are little compared to the problems of a paraplegic back then. I mean, getting around at all in that world, together with the social isolation and the stigma. Now, I'm told that a lot of paraplegics can't control their bladder or their bowels, so he could very well have been a mess, stink, have to rely on people to move around, Unless he crawled. Hands would probably be rough, torn from the streets, since he probably used them like feet. Jesus comes along and picks out this guy, almost like he's picking out the worst of the worst, the most pathetic of the pathetic. <laughs> and he says to this guy, You want to get well? Do you? Are you serious? I mean, it almost sounds cruel, doesn't it? I mean, if this were a Monty Python film, the guy would answer, nah, I love crawling around in my filth better than a desk job. And the question sounds weird. It's kind of like asking a broke guy, you want a hundred bucks? Like someone who hasn't eaten in a week, you want to go to Cracker Barrel? Like Julie asking me, you want a back scratch? Well, yeah. Jesus doesn't ask stupid questions. The guy's answer is, kind of weird. He never actually says yes, although I think it's implied. 
Instead, he says, I can't, sir. Of course I want to get well, but I can't. because I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there in front of me. Can you imagine how depressing it would be to plant yourself in a place where you believe a healing might happen, convinced it probably will never happen for you? So Jesus looks at the guy and he says, okay, then stand up and take up your mat and start walking. And it says instantly, instantly the guy was healed. Listen, guys, if there really is a God, then something like that can't happen, can't it? If Jesus really is the Son of God, if he really is the one who spoke this world into existence with a word, then it's quite conceivable that Jesus can tell a guy who's paralyzed, stand up and walk, and he does it, right? Now, an encounter with Jesus, a touch from Jesus, a word from Jesus can change any man forever. Sometimes it's not a physical healing. Sometimes it is not the miracle that you're asking for. Sometimes it's a healing that is way more powerful than what you think you need. Here, Jesus heals a guy who's physically ill. Do you think he can heal your brokenness when it's not physical? Maybe you're financially sick. And as I said earlier, it's really not about your money. It's about your habits, your desires, your heart. Maybe you simply want too much and spend too much and save too little. Maybe you're careless with the plastic because you can't control your greed. Could Jesus heal you? What do you think? He's God. The question is, are you going to let him? Maybe you're relationally sick. Maybe your marriage is pathetic. Maybe you're at war with your parents or your kids or your kin. Maybe you harbor this anger, this resentment, and this unforgiveness in you towards a neighbor. Maybe you're caught up in all of this cancel nonsense. Can Jesus heal you? What do you think? He's God. You going to let him? Maybe it's some obsession, some addiction that you've got. Maybe it's one of those seven deadly sins. You ever look at those seven deadly sins? Lust, gluttony, greed, laziness, anger, envy, pride. You battle any of those? Bet you do. Do you think Jesus can heal those too? What do you think? He's God. Do you want him to? Really? Really? Do you want his forgiveness or do you want his healing? You want both. Permission to speak the truth? Some of us here in this room are really good at compensating for whatever is broken and sick in our life, right? We have highly functioning alcoholics in this room. Yeah, it puts a stress on your marriage. Yeah, it causes more than a few problems with your kids. Yeah, it probably has caused some issues at work. But you figured out how to get along. You know, you've got a problem, but you've learned to accept it, to live with it. And you've learned how to help people that you love live with it and accept it. You know it's dishonoring to your God. You want forgiveness? 
You want healing or both. Some of you guys have learned how to exist in a dead marriage. You don't like it, but you've learned to accept it. It's just the way that it is. There's no intimacy. There's no partnership. There's no making each other better. Some of you have nothing in common with your spouse other than an address. Stay together for the kids, right? You want to be well? Enough that you would let God change not your partner, but you? We have people in this room today who compensate for their overspending brilliantly. You live from paycheck to paycheck for so long, you've given up believing that there's a way to live any, any other way. You've become adept at shuffling bills, using credit cards to pay your living expenses, maxing out one card, getting another, and voiding the bill collectors. You want to be healed badly enough that you would let God break the hold that stuff has on you? Some of you have learned to compensate for your porn addiction. You know you have a problem, but you tell yourself it's not that bad. It's better than being a physical adulterer, right? You tell yourself you can still value your wife or girlfriend even though they'll never stack up to the Photoshop perfection that you enjoy on screen. Learn to cover your tracks so that you'll probably never get caught. Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be well? Listen, guys, this is so important. You can't change what you're willing to tolerate. In fact, we make it hard for God to change things in our life that we're willing to tolerate. He wants to fix us. We fight him. We want his forgiveness. We're not sure we want to be healed. And God doesn't like forcing himself on us. But listen. All the kinds of sickness I've been talking about, they're really not the heart of this thing. Physical sickness, relational sickness, financial sickness, our obsessions and our addictions. That's simply the outcropping, cuts and scrapes compared to the kind of sickness that Jesus came to heal. Do you want to be well spiritually? Do you want Jesus to break the power of sin you want him to heal your heart. You want forgiveness? Or do you want to be healed? Really? I mean, Jesus said one time, he says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. He says, I have come to call those not who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sick. They're sinners. Jesus said, I came to save sinners. Did he come to save you? You need Jesus? Do you need a Savior? Are you willing to admit that Jesus went to the cross for you? See, most of us are willing to admit when we're physically sick. Some of us will even admit when we're financially or relationally or addictively sick. So many of us live in denial about our spiritual sickness, our fundamental spiritual sickness. Sometimes we simply refuse to admit that we're sinners at all. Listen, guys, we don't just sin. We are sinners. 
all of us. And we're not good enough and we're not smart enough and we're not strong enough to fix ourselves. We're really good at making excuses. We're really good at rationalizing our sin. We're great at justifying ourselves. We're excellent at putting the blame on somebody else. But will you admit that you're a sinner and you're not good enough, smart enough, strong enough to fix yourself? Or maybe you admit that you sin, you just don't think it's that bad. Then you're delusional. Let these two verses from the Apostle Paul just punch you in the face. Apostle Paul says, all of us, all of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And unless you misunderstand what that means, he says, the wages of sin, the consequences of our sin is death. And the only way to spiritual life, eternal life, is through Jesus Christ our Lord. So do you need Jesus? Get it? Buy it? Without Jesus, we are mortally ill, spiritually, every one of us. Without Jesus, every one of us is going to die, spiritually. What worries me is that that doesn't scare a lot of us. should. Scare you for your husband or your wife, for your parents or your kids, for your friends, for your neighbors. Do you understand what is at stake? And when we do get an inkling of our sin, too often what we ask from God is simply forgiveness, but not always healing. So we come to church for absolution. And then we go out and do the same. Do you understand that God wants more for you than forgiveness? Do you understand that a healed life is infinitely superior to a broken one? A little later in the story, Jesus finds the guy that he had healed, and this is what he tells him. He says, now that you're well, stop sinning. Or something else, even worse, may happen to you. And that's kind of sobering. But it's what happens so often when we baptize people. Ask God for forgiveness and they taste His grace. Then they battle God when He tries to heal them. Do you want to be healed? A lot of us find it very easy. I, I find it really easy to beg God's forgiveness. So long as I don't have to change. I want forgiveness, but we want to go back to the sin. Do you want to be well? Maybe you want to be free from your guilt and your shame, but are you willing to let God root out those behaviors that cause the guilt and the shame? Are you? Maybe you want God to fix your marriage. You just don't want Him to fix your heart. Theirs maybe, but not yours. We lust and we gossip and we lie. We hang on to our anger and unforgiveness. We come here week after week and confess our sins. Maybe it's time that we say, let's stop it. And I know you can't do it on your own. You've tried. But are you willing to let God finish the job that he started with you in that water? Are you willing to give him permission to take over that area of your life, maybe to bring others in to help you clean it up? 
Do you want to be well spiritually? Not just forgiven. Do you want to be healed? Until your love for Christ is genuinely greater than your love for sin, you are going to settle. Unless you understand that, a, that being healed it leads to an infinitely better life in this world and the next, then you will not taste the peace and the joy and the strength that God wants to pour into you. Will you let him heal you? That's what we're here for, guys. Every week we get to gather around the Lord's table. And this is where we actually immerse ourselves again in God's grace. You eat this bread and you drink this cup and you're admitting I am a sinner and God, you died for me. And that cup presents, and the wine in that cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed to cover your sin. Bread represents the body of Christ that was broken to cover your sin. We say thank you. We beg his forgiveness. We bask in his grace. Well, sometimes we just need to stop being satisfied with confessing the same sins over and over and over again and make it different. This time, God, I not only want your forgiveness but I'm willing to let you come in and take over those parts of my life that have been fighting you. I want not only your forgiveness, which he is so free to offer, but I want to be healed. I want to taste the life that you came to give us. Now, during this time of the Lord's Supper, we're going to get quiet here in just a minute. If you want to talk, to somebody, we've got an elder praying for you in that prayer room in the back. If you're online, just type me and one of our online hosts will talk with you. If you're in the room, I'm going to be sitting down here. Some of our staff and elders are close by. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you want to make Capital City your home, just come down and let's chat. Let's pray together. Father, for your grace, we give you thanks. For our willingness to settle, we ask your forgiveness. Help us to seize the life that you came to give us. Help us to be willing to let you change us to what you meant for us to be. Thank you for caring. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.